passage today is going to be from Ephesians 1. So if you can please stand as we read the word. We're going to be reading verses 15 through 23. Ephesians 1. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give, to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, so that you, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Samantha. So here we have a great way to start a, a new decade. Paul, the apostle, is praying that we will be optimistic and hopeful people. We'll be looking for bigger and better. Uh, he says, I, I want you to have the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Just love that. I love all of these phrases, by the way. You know, the, keep reading them. Keep studying them. Keep praying over them. The Lord keeps opening up uh, more and more as you, the rich word of God, to, to have the eyes of your hearts enlightened. We're going to be people of optimism and hope and having eyes in our hearts, hearts that are looking forward to what? He says that you may know what is the dismal future that you have, the inevitable failure that you are headed for in this new decade. Oh, wait a minute. Is that what your Bible says? No, obviously not. No, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. If you, you say you're a believer, you say you're a Christian, then God has called you to hope, to be hopeful, to anticipate his great work in you. And he's called you to this hope, right? He's saying, hey, you, I'm calling you to hope, which is beautiful. To the hope which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? I'm rich. <laughs> I'm wealthy beyond all measure because in Jesus Christ, I, I am actually in Christ and co-heirs with him. That's what a believer is. You're, you're impossibly wealthy. Who cares about the little trivial things like whether or not you have the latest and greatest. Maybe you can't afford the iPhone 11. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, it doesn't matter, though. See, it all of that stuff is trivial and trash compared to the wealth of eternity of our sins forgiven, living with God in heaven, uh, at His glorious inheritance in the saints. And that, that actually probably saying that He's making 
the church to be his inheritance. We are his inheritance. He's inheriting us. We're his body. His great work. Incredible work. And what's it going to take to get this work? Well, let's have the eyes of our hearts enlightened to the third thing. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? How much power is it going to take to take you and I, fallen, faulty, finite, there's a nice word, three of them, fallen, faulty, and finite, to make us into the glorious church without spot or wrinkle, where we will be perfect and just as God has planned it, will be effective and uh, an object of the amazing uh, name of the body of Christ, the fullness of him who dwells, who fills all in all. So that we're to be optimistic people, have the eyes of our hearts focused on salvation, the hope, the inheritance, and the immeasurable greatness of his power that he, he has toward us who believe that he's making us into his prized possession, uh, which is his church. And so that's where we're going today in verse 22 and 23 in our remaining time together. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as, as head over all things to the church, which is his body, comma, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. It's an astounding statement in the Bible. It's astounding. Do you hear what it's saying? It's talking about this, this body, this, I want to say, group of people, human beings, that he's called out. Actually, the word church means called out. Ekklesia in Greek. To call out. He's called out this group He's purchased them with his blood. He's redeemed them. He is saving them. And it, again, it goes throughout the centuries. And this, this body, it is his body. And it is the fullness of him. I, think, I find that astounding and actually uncomfortable. Because I look around and say, oh, we're his fullness? <laughs> like, uh, yikes. The church, all over the globe, with all its warts and imperfections, this is his fullness? Well, he has immeasurable power toward us who believe to make us his fallen, faulty, finite church into the perfect, sinless, uh, the Bible calls it the spotless bride uh, of Jesus Christ. That's a process that Jesus is working on as we go through time. And he's working on you as a believer to be a part of this. So as we approach this, this is what I'd like you to think about. Uh, I think this is a, a challenge, this phrase right here, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is a challenge. Uh, to anybody who's thinking casually about the church. 
There's no room for thinking casually about the church, like, eh, church, I can take it or leave it. It's like sort of no big thing. It's like a club. I might want to go to the 4-H. I might not want to go to the 4-H. I might want to join the country club. I might not want to join the country club. You know, no, this church, it's the fullness of Christ. It, it supersedes any possible club affiliation that we can imagine. This is a challenge to thinking casually about the church. This is a challenge to rejecting the church. I mean, if you reject the church, you're rejecting Jesus Christ. Because the church is his body and it is his fullness. Who is he? He's the one who fills all in all. And the church is his fullness. See, this is strong statement in Scripture. This is a strong statement in Scripture. So rejecting the church because it is filled with faulty human uh, failures is, is uh, challenged by this. We are not given that permission to reject the church. The, the church is always going to be a faulty human institution to some extent. And we have to have discernment. There, the church has gone through the big reformations and time, all of which is designed by Jesus. Our, the psalm we read this morning reminds us that, wow, God is into a, a different plan than we are. And sometimes our lives are, we do everything right, and then we go through horrible testings anyway, Psalm 44. And yet we trust him. He has a plan. He's working through this. Even the difficulties. You know, we have a, a dear family and their child gets cancer. Why? Well, they're faithful in church. They're strong Christians. They shouldn't have this. But it's a trial in their life that God has designed. It's not a, a whoops, like, oh, I was out of control at that moment. I shouldn't have let that happen. Uh, the devil got in there and they didn't keep, you know, the devil out of their lives. None of that is true. The Bible says even that is designed by God. It's his part of his building process. Uh, and I think that's true of church history as well. He's, he's building his church. So if we love Jesus, we will love his church. If we love Jesus, we will serve his church with passion and long-term commitment. When we are away from home, we should attend church. Uh, I find it joyful, uh, really. We're kind of a vacation community. A lot of folks take holidays and vacations here. And we get a lot of people attending church on Sundays. You know, I'm from Iowa. We're from Pennsylvania. We're from Switzerland. We're from Germany. We hear all of these things throughout the year. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, it, it shows that we value church. You know, even when we're traveling, even when we're on vacation, we think, you know what? Doesn't the Bible say Sunday is the Lord's Day? Yeah, it actually does. John the Apostle said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. This is the day for the Lord. We put the Lord first. We, we value the fullness of Christ, even in a faulty presentation we're committed. When we die those left behind should be able to say, well, one thing is certain, they were faithful in church. What kind of legacy do we leave? Right? 
can show that we believed the Holy Scripture that said the church is the body of Christ, the fullness of him who fills all in all. A lot of people, we see a lot of people are Christian. Uh, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. And yet you wonder, hey, are you faithful in church at all? If you're not faithful, let's, let's get into your bank account. Let's see. Let's see where you're giving your money, how you're spending your money. Are you, you demonstrating that you believe that the church is the body of Christ, the fullness of him who fills all in all? This is, this is huge. You can't contain this description of what the church is. Uh, and we ought to be challenged by it, hopeful, and depending on his power. Let me pick the words out again. The immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe to make you and I into fully functioning members of his body, which is his church. Now, in our time remaining, I want to look at this in this way. I want to look at Christ's part in making his church. And then we're going to look at our active part. There's a lot of passiveness to being a part of Christ's church. He makes you into a body member, okay? It's passive. In fact, Ephesians 1 tells us that if you're a believer, he chose you before he created the world. You know, like I'm pretty passive at that point. I'm not even a molecule yet. Uh, and, and he chose me to be a part of the church from eternity past. That's called election. He, he chose those who would be a part of his church. So there's a, a lot of passivity. Well, I just want to start there. Um, Matthew, I see, I got some little slides to help remind us of what this is. Christ's work. Again, a few minutes on this, uh, a survey of what the scripture says about this. First of all, this is from um, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And Jesus is talking to Peter, his apostle. And Peter has just made a, a beautiful confession of faith. He says, You are the Christ. Son of the living God. You know, it's like, hallelujah. This is a revelation from God. An, an epiphany. By the way, get, get used to it. Tomorrow is epiphany. Not only the Armenian church celebrates Christmas, but the church historically has said, you know what? Tomorrow's an important day. Let's celebrate the appearance of Christ. And that's where we bring in the wise men, usually on Epiphany. On Epiphany as well, to bring gifts to, to Christ. And so that's, that's the revelation. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so Jesus says to him, I tell you, you are Peter. You're the stone. Peter means stone. And on this rock, I'm Peter. He's talking about the confession of faith that Peter just made, which is you are the Christ, the Son of the uh, on this rock, this rock truth, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is Christ's work. He's building his church. And through the millennia now, he has been building his church. This is his work. And again, we might marvel at it and say, what, what are you doing? You know, why... Why did that ceiling collapse over there? 
Is that a part of your plan? And, and Jesus, the great architect, is saying, yes, this is a part of my plan. <laughs> and you will see it all come to con- completion and you will marvel and worship. I will build my church. Um, here is Colossians 2.19, of, of analogy of the body. I put in the knee, a simple part of our bodies. Uh, see all these different parts in our knee. This meniscus, kind of, kind of amazing. As you stand on your knee, it's taking all your weight, that little blue wafer. You don't want that to fail. The patella is your kneecap. Are you taking notes here? It will be a test on this. <laughs> Imagine the tendons. I mean, you know, by and large, your legs last a good long time. <laughs> like my 96-year-old uh, mother-in-law was walking three or four days before her, before she died. Still, still walking. The tendons are still connected. It's really quite, quite amazing. Um, and this. Metaphor, the Bible uses several metaphors to describe the church. And this metaphor is that there's all kinds of parts, and there's different parts. We have different roles. But listen to this. This is Colossians 2.19. Again, I'm just surveying some of the scriptures this morning. He's talking about unbelievers who, who they, are, they don't hold fast to the head. He's talking about the head, who is Jesus Christ, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. See, God has made you in a special way. You have a unique role. This Again, this is all about commitment and showing up and being a part of the church, local where you find it, and God will use you, and His, His energy flows through you. Uh, you know, the the patella, the ligaments, etc. They're not on their own. They're supplied by a whole infrastructure of the body. And that's what this, again, I'm going to read this text again. It's really cool. Colossians 2.19. From whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. So God is growing you. And I have growing pains. Sometimes he grabs us by the lapels and says, listen, you need to grow in this area. And I'm going to work through you and I'm going to grow this. Uh, Another one I love is here, uh, the whole idea of nourish. Nourish to flourish. Nourish nourish to flourish. Here's uh, Ephesians 5, 29 and and 31. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. So Jesus Christ, I will build my church. He is nourishing us. He is cherishing. What is We had a conversation about the word charity the other day. I, I was trying to be clear, what does charity mean? Because like in modern day, charity means like, I don't want your charity. I'll keep your 50 cents. Um, Whereas in the old uh, English, charity means love, okay? It means really understanding. And to cherish somebody, uh, you look at these typical Christian wedding vows, you, you promise to love and to cherish. And I just love that word, cherish. It means to really love, really take care of, be really interested, be invested. Show your love. 
And this verse says that Christ is nourishing and cherishing us just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. This is Christ's part. Receive it. Don't fight his uh, cherishing and his nourishing. And then uh, one more is First uh, Peter 2.4. This is a, a old church in England, and I, I put it up there because, A, I took the picture. That was really fun. Uh, and look, it's just like all kinds of different rocks and different sizes and hewn rocks. And, you know, which one is unimportant? They're all pretty important. <laughs> They're all pretty important. And here's 1 Peter 2.4. Again, changing metaphor from the body to a building. He says, as you come to him, a living stone, this is Jesus, is a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. This is for all of us, all Christians. You. He's building you to be a priest. A priest is not some professional guy that wears a white collar. All believers are priests. What does that mean? I have a responsibility to be growing in maturity and being able to help other people find God and praying for other people. That's what a priest does. You know, you don't want a priest just living for himself, right? You want a priest who cherishes other people. Can I get an amen out of that? <laughs> I mean, in other words, this is our calling, to be active members of the church, to be a holy priesthood, to, to offer spiritual sacrifices. Again, 1 Peter 2, 4 and following. Offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, for it stands in Scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. So Christ's part, I will build my church. He works through the whole body like a body is nourished uh, from top to bottom. And he is building us into a spiritual house like living stones to be a place of worship. Now, what's our active part? Let's go to our one. It starts at the top for us. Let's go to Acts, uh, Acts 20, verse 28. We sang a song, Oh, the grace that brought me to the flock of God. I like that song. Uh, we sang it just this morning. The flock of God, right? Did, you, did it pass right by you? You're saying, I'm a sheep. I'm, I'm a sheep of God. I'm in the fold. I think it's the word fold. Fold of God, not flock. Fold. Uh, same idea. The fold of God is the church. The grace, the immeasurable power of His grace brought, brings us to the fold of God. And here's Acts 20, verse 28. This is to elders in the church, leaders and teachers. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Our text for today is that the church is his body. It is the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
And as leaders of the church, and I don't even care how small the church is. You're a, you're a part of God's teaching, administering, cherishing the flock of God. How valuable is that? This is the fullness of Christ. It's incredibly, you can't imagine anything more important, you see. And so he says, this church, it was obtained by his own blood. The Bible teaches us that Jesus had a very definite plan, a specific plan. He purchased his church. That's how valuable it is. Well, how much did he pay for it? He paid his own blood for his church. And so as leaders of the church, we need to be awfully careful about how we do it. So Paul says, Acts 20, 28, be careful, pay attention. And then here's uh, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians uh, 3.16. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. The Bible teaches this in two very important ways in Corinthians. In chapter 3, it's like the church, the body of Christ is the temple of God. Together, we are the temple of God. Chapter 6 specifically says you individually, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells in you. And in that context, he says, therefore, don't, don't give yourselves to sexual immorality. Uh, because you belong to Christ. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So God is doing this great thing in us, and he wants us to be a part of it and be responsible for caring for his great work, what he is doing. I have one more uh, passage here on our work, the fullness of Christ, just an emphasis here. This is Ephesians 4. We're studying the book of Ephesians. Our text today was chapter 1, verse 23. That the body of Christ is the fullness of him who fills all in all. The infinite Jesus Christ. The body of Christ is the fullness of him. I, I can't get over that. It's incredible. Um, and here he says the same thing in Ephesians 4. Talking about Jesus. In saying he ascended. You see, we believe that after Jesus was born, then three years later, no, 30, 30 years later, 32 years later, was he was crucified, then he was buried, and he rose again the third day, and then after that, 50 days, I think, after that, he ascended into heaven, the ascension. So he's talking about that. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Again, pretty huge. 
huge idea, the body of Christ, the fullness of Jesus Christ, and we're all a part of it. Your part is to do your part. He has a whole list of things here. You have the teachers who are preparing all the saints who will do the work of the ministry, which is building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. And where is this all going? This is my concluding point. Where is this all going? Well, you can look at our passage in Ephesians 1, verse 10. It says this, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Christ. All things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Where's the whole history of the world going? It's going to Christ. The Bible says this. It says that, uh, let's see. Here it is. Uh, Making known to us the mystery of his will. That's what I just read. According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. The Bible says clearly that he is the creator. He created all things. And all things were created for him. Everything is for Jesus. You see a tree, it's for Jesus. You see a rock, it's for Jesus. You look at your life, it's for Jesus. It was created for him. So what's our response to this? You really have kind of two roads here. God doesn't like those who are undecided. He says, don't be lukewarm about it. You should be passionate and committed. And here are the two sides. One is just say, no, I rebel. I found this fist on the Internet, and it's covered with all, way, all kinds of ways to, no, that's too much. I reject it. I oppose it. Uh, I disobey it. I defy it. I disregard it. I resist. I defy. I flout. I flout. I'm resisting, et cetera, et cetera. That, that's one choice. That's one choice. It's completely a loser in the long run, really, because you are defying God. You're defying his authority, and it leads to destruction. You might have 70, 80, 90 years on the earth where you're successful at ignoring God. You, you, yes, that can happen, and you can be happy. You, you can be successful. You can be wealthy, for sure. Uh, and yet, You know, it's a short time period compared to eternity. It's a short time period compared to eternity. So what you really should do is submit to God, come to know him and trust him and live for him, as I said. So my opening statements, I just want to read again. This statement is a challenge to thinking casually about the church. The church is the fullness of him who fills all in all. It is his body. The church is his life's work. It is his body. It is his fullness. It is his his defining work. You go to an art gallery and you might see uh, a perfect painting, right? And they'll say, well, that's the defining work of this artist. That's the one that shows who they really were. And all of their craft came, came together to make this piece of art. Well, the Bible is telling us that the church is Christ's defining work. As great as he is, so the church 
is and will be great. Because it is the fullness of things. It will be great. Woe be to us if we do not respect Christ's church. This is a challenge to thinking casually about the church. This is a challenge to rejecting the church because of its faulty human frailties. The church will always be a faulty human institution, but we are called to love the church and be loyal to the church. If we love Jesus, we will love his church. If we love Jesus, we will serve his church with passion and long-term commitment. Thank you, Lord, for the work of Jesus to save us and to make us into the church of Christ, the body of Christ, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And we pray, O oh Lord, that we would trust your immeasurable power to do that in us as we depend on your word, as we submit to God and trust you, O oh Lord, even when it seems difficult. So challenge us with hope as we plow into a new decade. Amen.